0: If we do this, then we can stop all of this incessant focus on the application, getting people to apply. It's really desperate and it's not very intelligent.
1: Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right Right. where it hurts.
2: Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Rugby kilts and haggis are on the menu today, everybody. What's up, kids? It's your favorite guilty pleasure. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast, and this is our employment brand marketing series. I'm your co-host, Joel Maggie Mae Cheeseman. This is Chad. That's not a talent pipeline. So watch. Hey there, Julie from recruitmentmarketing.com here. And on today's show, we're digging into a little recruitment brand automation. Let's do this.
3: Easy peasy lemon squeezy.
2: How much do you understand the future of finance?
3: I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology
1: So, Julie, you, you got your first real podcast under your belt. How you feel now? You feel a little bit loose, a little, little looser than before, a little ready? Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. I, you know, um, this is all new to me being in this podcast world, and I got to say I have tremendous respect for what you guys do after the first show.
2: We actually have some <laughs> live footage of Julie after the recording. Doesn't I anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> ah, that's, she's much, much cooler now, much cooler. Yes. Now. <laughs> much like last
1: week. We have a mystery guest this week. Julie, uh, who, who might that be?
4: Oh, well, I'm excited to announce our uh, mystery guest, Adam Gordon from Candidate ID.
2: Ooh. That, that kid's been on the show a few times. He's going to get a jacket soon. A couple more appearances. <laughs> he gets a kilt, I think. Jeez, <laughs> kilt. And oh, geez, kilt. I love that. Oh, shit. Shit. You just blew my more mind on that men should
4: one. wear kilts. I love men in kilts, dude.
2: They are so freeing. Oh my! Are they all your family? Uh, what plaid? I know it's called something else.
0: It's called tartan. tartan. Yeah. So I've got I've got three Gordon Clan tartan kilts. I have just a black kind of what you call a utility kilt, full of pockets and stuff. Oh yeah, and. I've got um, my uh, nighttime kilt, which is the, sp- <laughs> the Spider-Man
2: kilt. Spider-Man That's not, for partying. Kilt.
0: That's not for partying. That is for fighting crime.
4: Husband has one of those utility kilts as well.
2: Does he have a, does he have a nighttime kilt <laughs> too?
4: No, but that is something I'm going to have to explore for Ugh. Valentine's Day.
1: <laughs> well, that being said, uh, Adam, give us a little bit more about you, little Twitter bio, of, if People have been in a corner. They haven't been listening to this show. They haven't heard the 20 different podcasts you've been on. Tell them a little bit about you.
0: I live in Glasgow in Scotland with my wife and kids. And uh, I'm, I'm co-founder and CEO at Candidate ID. Uh, I've been in recruitment for 23 years this year. Ooh. And uh, my, I, I, love, uh, I love haggis. I love all things Scottish. Welcome to all things Scottish. Our slogan is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap! And I love rugby. I mean, that wasn't me who said that, but it is correct. Um, And (laughs) the other thing is I'm very, very passionate about crimes against talent pipelining. and
1: uh, (laughs) Well said. I like that term. Talent pipelining,
0: malpractice, crimes. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, And I'm very very passionate about marketing automation as well.
2: Nice segue.
0: In fact, when I started in recruitment, so um, see like interviewing people. I had almost zero interest in that. See, assessing them, even less interest, but Mm -hmm. getting them to the room, uh, you know, getting them from being strangers to actually being in the room to talk to me about the job, that was the bit I loved. So, as recruitment has developed in the last 20 years, um, things like subjects like talent sourcing and, and recruitment marketing. The, the things hunting. That spent all of my, all the hunting bit. That's the bit that I spent all of my career on. What
4: is uh, what what is recruitment marketing automation?
0: Great question, and uh, not very many people will give the answer to it. That I'll give. It's if we go into so to set the set up the answer to this. If we go into mainstream sort of sales and marketing, which I believe, other than assessing people, I believe recruitment is one hundred percent sales and marketing activity. Well, talk about that real quick.
1: Okay. Dig deep into that. Cause so we just had Chris Nealon on the podcast last week. He comes from a ma- marketing background, a brand background. They do business in sales and marketing much different than we do. So why is that? Should it be different?
0: Why is it different? I mean, I think that they, in mainstream sales and marketing, they think about every touch point as completely unique. And they think about what experience it should give to the individual and how it should make them feel and what it should make them want to do next. And we focus almost all of our thoughts about that into what I would call the point of sale material and like the application, applying, getting people to apply for a job and then taking them them through that application. And we're missing out on experiences in so many other, other places, other places of recruitment.
2: Adam, I feel like on the consumer side that marketing automation to me feels very transactional, right? It's Valentine's Day, you know, buy a card, buy chocolates, buy something. Uh, It's another holiday. Now buy this, do this. And it feels sort of cold. It doesn't feel like a relationship. Do you feel like in recruitment that we get too much into the transactional, like apply to this job, this is open, do this, as opposed to, building an actual relationship and talking about what the company is, what the culture is. Are there any pitfalls uh, to, to just being marketing and being transactional?
0: You're, you're absolutely right. And this is why see uh, one of the hot phrases about three or four years ago was treat candidates like consumers. And Scott, my co-founder and I looked at that and just went, when you think about a consumer, you think about somebody that's making a choice between Coke and Dr. Pepper. It's transactional. It's a, it's a point of sale choice. It's not, yeah. a, it's, it's not a considered purchase. So this is why when we think about marketing automation, we think about it much more in the B2B um, sort of process of marketing automation, which is not about the transaction. It's about the nurture. It's about the um, relationship building through awareness and education and consideration into the point where they've bought a new Audi or a new holiday. Or a new wedding venue, or you know, whatever it is, something that's much more high consideration. So it's either an expensive consumer purchase, rather than you know, Mars or Bounty, or it is a B two B purchase, like who should my next advertising agency be? Who should my lawyers be? Which operating uh, system should ERP system should I choose? You know, those types of things. So it's very different.
2: You're you're the tech behind that. How do you how do you educate or help steer? the employer to that mentality and not just let stuff jobs down their throats, drag them.
0: I mean, I, right now. So if I, if I think about almost every company that's doing recruitment marketing, as I mentioned, I think that they're focused on the point of sale bit, the the transaction bit, and those companies who are coming in and working with us, or they're using some kind of a marketing automation type of approach. They're the ones that have really understood that most people couldn't care less about their EVP today. And don't care about their pay and don't care who they'd be working with or anything like that. But what they do care about is things like skills, insights, things that help them be more successful in their career. And if they can talk to them way upstream and be useful and be relevant, then they're generating goodwill with those people long before they're trying to turn them into a candidate.
1: So question around, again, talent pipelining, and we take a look and we're tr- still trying to run these parallels between marketing and sales. Now, if I were a CMO and I spent a million dollars on leads and then I didn't use those leads, they just uh, withered and died. Uh, do you think I'd have my job for long?
0: Well, no, I mean, <laughs> absolutely not. And this is like you, you, you don't get salespeople saying, well, that that lead wasn't ready to buy. So, you know, it was, it was pointless. They're, they're not like in, in,
1: in a company it's like- It's part of the process, right? It's part of the funnel. Not everybody's ready to buy today.
0: What, what you, what you really want is if I'm in sales and marketing, if I'm in sales at ServiceNow, a company like ServiceNow, I, I don't want to talk to people who aren't ready to buy. That's a complete waste of my time. I only want to talk to people who have done all of the education themselves they've been through a considered journey they've done it in their own time and you know they might not have done it in a linear like you know blast they might have done it in a over time in like micro moments over the last couple of years they might have been learning about service now but when their activity and behavior gets to a point where they're starting to request what's our pricing you know or those types of like bottom-of-the-funnel kind of bits of information, that's when I want to know who's looking for our pricing. I want to talk to those people. I don't want to, want to talk to people who are, who are, like, looking at real surface-level type stuff. And if, I'm, if, my, if my marketing team is using that sort of uh, sales nurture, lead nurture type of approach, and they're using the right type of technology that's tracking and scoring all of those sales prospects' clicks then all I'm getting is hot leads and I'm not cold contacting people ever.
4: I've always liked to refer to that as like digital body language. Like what are you doing with your body, your digital <laughs> language and what you're clicking on and the activity? What, what <laughs> are, what kind of signals are you looking for from the candidates to indicate activity of
0: interest? Well, I, 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 lo- I love that uh, digital body language. It's a really great um, description, Julie. the, Types of so when what we recommend to our customers is, and in fact, on Joel's point, we do a lot of education because we're not're we're, 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 uh, we're teaching companies to uh, really farm their talent pipelines properly rather than just send out like an email blast every week uh, we're, we're teaching them to do it in a completely different way so you've got candidates who are cold, who are warm and who are higher ready and my, I, I don't I, I've not made a mistake. They're using the word candidate. I believe everybody is a candidate until they retire. Uh, They're a candidate to me as somebody who might go out and try and hire them. It doesn't matter if they think they're a candidate. It's about whether I think they're a candidate or not. So that's that's one thing. But what we're looking for in terms of digital signals is, um, are they looking at the content, which suggests that they are ready for a hiring conversation? So obviously who looked at the job description but did not click the apply button yet they're Mm. the candidates that i want to know as a talent sourcer or a recruiter i want those hot leads coming into me if they're looking at content which is like skills for data scientists Mm. that doesn't suggest they're ready for a conversation yet they're looking at what's it like to work in amazon as a data scientist that's a much hotter signal so you would wait all of those clicks um, so that you know what's meaningful and what's not. And then adapt that as you learn more.
1: So you, you're you scoring them, but scoring is the other side of nurturing, right? You have to understand where they're at and hot, cold, warm, what have you. So what, what does nurture actually mean to you? And how do you actually get it done? Because it seems like what we're doing today is nothing but rapid fire spamming. And that has become pretty much table stakes how do you get away from the spamming quote-unquote nurturing and get into actual nurturing Wait,
0: and what's the definition from you so i think just going back to julie's original question which was about you know what's marketing automation marketing automation is a type of technology which will track and score all of those clicks from emails from text messages from whatsapp um, on the career site, it'll track clicks around social media, around Glassdoor, around YouTube. And so when you're able to track that level of digital engagement, then you can start to set up workflows, marketing workflows based on each click, not based on what happens with probably about 99.9% of t- what we call, what in America gets told a talent network, which is a three-step drip email campaign, which they call Nurture, which is not. It's just, I'm going to batch and blast the same thing to everybody today and then set up another one for three days later and another one for three days later and everybody gets the same thing. With marketing automation, what you get to do is set up programmatic workflows where if somebody's looking at the surface level type stuff, then they're probably cold, which means don't start sending them job descriptions. When somebody's warm, they're looking at the EVP, that kind of thing, then give them more about what it's like to work at the company. And then when they're hire ready, when they're looking at job descriptions, that's the point when the sourcer gets an alert to tell them to pick up the phone and get a one-to-one conversation. So nurture has to happen in a way that the candidates are going to want or the prospects or whatever you want to call them, what they, they're going to want. Nobody wants spam with job descriptions if they're not looking for a job. They want things that are useful and relevant to them and their career. So it's all about personalization at scale. That's true nurture.
2: I love that you mentioned uh, WhatsApp and SMS and some other ways to communicate. And I think there's one question that we always think about is like, what do people actually respond to, right? Email is dead. No one answers this. No one talks on the phone. But I don't think we ever think about nurturing and messaging in a way that says, okay, where do people want to hear from employers? Uh, I, I would think LinkedIn might be an obvious choice, but if, if WhatsApp is where I talk to my friends, do I really want an employer butting in and communicating? Now I might actually get my message through, but is it, is it the, is it the messaging? Is it, is it the engagement that an employer should be looking for? Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, this is the beauty of marketing automation. You're able to track and score what everybody's doing. So when you get into the data, you can see what's working and what's not. So if if you're able to get 100% of your WhatsApp messages to people, but it's driving 2% engagement, whereas text message is driving 10% and emails driving 35%, then keep emailing and stop WhatsApping people. Um, or... Set up, a, set up workflows so that those people who respond to things by clicking on them at WhatsApp, they keep getting things by WhatsApp. And the people who do it by email, they keep getting things by email. You can, you can create programmatic workflows where people get the type of content that they want in the formats that they want, through the channels that they want, on the days of the week that they want, based on their previous behavior, so, you know, just on that, on channels, what we what we know is that more blue collar type jobs where maybe they're less likely to be on a laptop or a desktop or on email, then things like text message work much better. Whereas this concept that email's dead is absolutely wrong when it comes to sort of um, highly skilled professions like uh, data science or clinical project managers or you know optometrists and things like that they're actually all on email quite regularly because they use it as a almost as a like air traffic control for all the different apps and things that they use (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah. and have you have you found it being a moving target at all i know you've been doing this for a while but obviously you know snapchat is obviously gaining prominence and you know TikTok. are you seeing it are you seeing it being volatile with what works and what doesn't and and that's a moving target i think would be tough to a, a tough problem to solve from your your perspective
0: I mean, I think dynamic is probably a slightly more accurate term than description for me, from, from my, my view, vision, um, than dynamic is probably a better word than volatile. The thing is, you, you try, the very best practitioners of recruitment, marketing, automation are just constantly um, adapting what they're doing because they can see every day what's working better today. What's, what are the trends um, because they can see it from their analytics. So because they know what's working and what's not, they just keep getting better and better. I mean, some of the RPO businesses that I know have got teams of specialists who are like real, I'm pretty confident I could describe them as world-class practitioners mm-hmm. around, around you know, recruitment, marketing, automation, and, and this kind of concept of nurture marketing. Whereas a lot of Fortune 500 companies, honestly, they, they tell me what they're doing to try to nurture their talent pipelines. And I'm like, <laughs> that is not nurture and that is not a talent pipeline. You, you're, you're setting up a spam list is all you're doing here and you don't know who's clicking on it or what they're doing next. So no yeah. wonder your recruiters aren't engaged in it because you can't actually give them hot leads. Like who opened an email and didn't open an email? It, it means nothing. It's totally meaningless. That is yeah. a crime against talent pipelining.
1: So the... Big difference between talent acquisition and RPO is RPO, it's a business and they run it like a business. Talent acquisition, it's a job and they don't run it like a business, which is one of the reasons why we don't see ourselves in the C-suite that much. Um, Now, jumping into all of this, since marketing has such a, already a history with using this tech, being able to uh, create marketing messages, you know, drive leads, those types of things, when should the ta side of the house actually engage marketing should they number one or should marketing actually own this
0: uh no marketing should definitely not own this or it'll get no um priority whatsoever i i know this because my, my wife is a chief marketing officer and anytime she's ever had a recruitment internal ta teams coming to her up looking for help she's like no, mate. I'm sorry. It's not. I get fired if I don't do my job. I don't get fired if I don't do your job. So um, unfortunately, you you know, you you need you need the expertise within your TA organization. If you have a TA team of three people, then that's gonna be pretty difficult. If you've got a TA organization of 10, then at least two people should be focused on talent pipelining and and nurture marketing. So I've seen quite a lot of companies where They've really changed the approach um, based on the newfound ability to actually track and score candidates and do marketing automation. So one company based in the UK, well, actually, their they're headquarters in the UK, but they're in about 10 different countries. It's an optometry retailer. I think it's the biggest outside the USA. And uh, they're constantly hiring optometrists. And they started in the beginning of 2017, they started with 24 360-degree recruiters. By the end of that year, four of those people had switched jobs to nurturing talent pipelines, and that combined unit of 24 people was filling 50% more jobs per month because the recruiters were no longer cold-calling people. They were dealing with warm, purely dealing with warm leads. And And, you know, if you can cut that out, it's just – the concept of cold contacting people, no matter how good at sourcing you are, no matter how good your rapport building skills are, cold contacting people is, n- is n- just never today the optimum way of getting your shortlist.
2: I get fired for not doing my job. I don't get fired for not doing your job. What a great, what a great... Summary of uh, how marketing feels about recruiting. Yeah,
1: but wait a minute. Let's back into that real quick. That just demonstrates to the rest of the organization that talent isn't that important. It it is not a part of her job, although driving leads or brand for the holistic organization is. Now, that's a transactional uh, exercise. You're trying to get somebody to buy a $400 Yeti cooler. But what's more important? The people who actually fucking make that cooler, right? The people, the people who who have their 40 hours of blood, sweat and tears who actually enjoy, hopefully enjoy their job. So I think what Adam just really pinpointed was, I mean, his wife, I mean, yeah, she has uh, responsibilities, but the organization doesn't understand how important talent is. If it was, that might be one of her her core responsibilities.
4: We also ask, you know, the practitioners and the recruiters who have these expectations, have really strong competencies of human skills, right? They're on the phone trying to close the deal, trying to close the cell, say, hey, (laughs) come work with us and give us your 40 hours a week for the rest of your life or as long as you'll stay with us. But then you throw in that really sexy words that you put together in a string there, programmatic automated workflows like is the competency of someone who you know is working in HR and is supposed to be on the phone talking to the people in the program trying to set up the right rule set, right read, lead scoring and build that pipeline it's a conflict of their time. Um, so I love what you said Adam that you know that is the game where people are able to open the floodgate at the top. So that they can have more results at the bottom, but to expect to do both is that is that realistic? That someone can do
0: both of those things with their time? Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, it's completely different. It's a completely different skill set. Can some recruiters adapt to this type of skill set, which is about it, a lot? Some of it's about creativity. Some of it is about being good at using technology, and some of it is is about data analysis. And you know, talent sourcers. Can, are, I've got exactly the right type of skill set for this because they are creative and they're very, very good at data analysis. Recruit, some recruiters can do this. A lot of recruiters find it very difficult because of the type of training they've had and the way that they look at the world. But uh, what the, the trend that I see the most, which I just love, is the trend of bringing people in from digital marketing performance, performance marketing backgrounds into the TA organization to, to drive the pipeline it's all about funnel metrics how many people are cold how many people are warm how many people are hire ready and then splitting that up by different job categories and locations and then getting everybody out of cold and into warm you probably don't want everybody in hire ready because then you're going to disappoint a lot of people there's not enough jobs to go around but um, getting everybody from cold to warm is is a it's quite a fun sort of process
2: Adam, is it your experience that you're seeing more companies uh, create liaisons or people that speak both marketing and recruiting to be in the middle of that conversation? And if you are, are you seeing more post-pandemic when people are making decisions around what we're going to do with recruitment marketing?
0: I don't see marketing being involved all that often, except for handing over the brand guidelines, you know, maybe being involved at the beginning to agree or or consult Advise on yeah, we think that's a good strategy that you're going. Go go and do it. HR and recruitment should never be subservient to marketing. Otherwise, they're not going to be allowed to do what they want to do. And so, you know, it comes back to that whole seat at the table type thing. You know that that conversation. And I think if marketing says no, you say go away. I'm doing it. It's nothing to do with you. So, you know, that that's sort of what has to happen. But anyway, to answer the question, I, I I just love the fact that a lot of TA organizations are hiring people from pure demand generation performance marketing backgrounds into their business to do this. And that'll, that'll continue and that'll accelerate. And the pandemic has definitely accelerated that because more TA leaders have had more time to look at, are we doing this in the right way? hmm you know, they're not traveling as much anymore. So are we doing this? They've they've got more time to think about, are we doing this in the right way? How could we make this better? And they're actually spending more time with each other, like online, things like that, learning from peers on like meetups and roundtables and social media groups and things like that. So I think that this, this whole concept is becoming more popular.
1: We did an interview with Brandon Lynn, who's in marketing for Freedom Mortgage. Now he's been on the recruiting side, for his entire career until he went to uh, Freedom Mortgage, and they pulled him into marketing. And he said, it's bliss because he reports to marketing, but yet he's responsible for employer brand. It's more of a, I think more of an evolved type of model, not saying one model is better than the other, but. At that point, they understand within their organization how crucial it is to fill those seats, which is why marketing has that responsibility. Do you think we'll see that evolution or do you just think that's kind of like a blip in the radar? We'll only see a few organizations actually understand just how important talent is, which is pulling them into marketing.
0: So every employer is different. Um, and I, I know Brandon, Freedom Mortgage is one of our customers and um I think it's I think it's unusual though for that person to be sitting within marketing. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't I don't think it's bad necessarily, but I feel like there's a if the recruitment team, if the TA team is unable to get enough candidates, then they can easily just blame a completely different team in marketing. So who takes accountable accountability for this? There's a you know, there's a there's a gap, there's a like a crack in the sidewalk um here. I think that it has to be within the one, all reporting into the one person, or else there's a blame game that can happen when recruitment goes wrong, and recruitment goes wrong 90% of the time. So um, it's, I think it's quite important that uh, the TA organization builds its own capabilities, and they're as good as their you know, uh, cousins in marketing. Another point about this is, by the way, almost everything is marketing today. Every other area of HR is also marketing, Um, everything to do with reward, everything to do with organizational design and structure, everything to do with like L&D, there's there's a considerable marketing input into all of that. And, uh, you know, I'm not involved in it, so I don't know whether whether that's emerged
2: yet or not, but it really should have done. Do you feel that globally as well? I know you have a lot of international clients. Um, I don't know if you've seen any trends where, la- yeah, this is a global issue, or you know, what it hasn't quite hit some of these other areas.
0: It's difficult to say. It's like 70 percent of the companies that I work with are UK or USA, and the pro- I think it's actually about eighty percent, and the other twenty percent are um, kind of Western Europe or North America, like Canada or Netherlands or whatever. Um, I mean, I think I think that if you go. The further east you go in Europe, probably the less likely that... Now, this, that's nonsense. I was just going to get myself in a lot of trouble there because there's real hotspots of talent acquisition excellence in places like
2: Poland and Estonia. You're in a growth industry. I think it's fair to say you're in a growth industry. Yeah,
0: I, I, don't, I don't know his answer.
2: I think there's a lot of room to grow internationally with, with your business and recruitment marketing automation.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we so we're playing quite a patient game here because we launched the first version of our product in January twenty seventeen, and it worked really well, but it was very hard to use. So we really started our business as a tech enabled service, and then by twenty twenty September twenty twenty, we had completely rebuilt and relaunched the, the product, and it's now very much the you know customers use it themselves. Um, so it's a lot easier to use. It's a lot more drag and drop and simple to use workflow builders and things like that. Um, and But still, I think even in the, you know, sophisticated environments like the UK and the USA, I think that it's probably only 20% of TA teams that have the right thinking and capability to do recruitment marketing automation. But the reason that we're being patient is because we know it's the right thing to do. I I 100%, you know, we created, we created our business because we saw that recruitment CRM was simply not the answer, um, and you know that, and 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 we were providing a better solution than that. And you know, people are really starting to agree with this, and I can see that by the growth of my customer base.
2: One of your uh, one of your products is alumni engagement, or one of the things that you you market on your website. And I don't think a lot of people think about recruitment, marketing, automation, or what you do in terms of alumni or people that used to work there and, and boomerangs. And this is a growing trend. Talk about that and how companies should be thinking about it.
0: Employers need to think about, Julie made a great point on the the last podcast, um, which was that you know people are moving jobs more often and they want a different type of relationship with an employer now. They want a lot more flexibility to work in the ways that they want you know and it's really more about candidates than it is about the employer and what they're offering now so we need to be, we need to really adapt and what that means is because people are moving jobs more often we need to build relationships with people from the moment they leave school to the moment they retire all the way through and arguably before they hit the workforce and after they retire so with a with a marketing automation type of approach what you can do is nurture the relationships with people who are at university training to become a software engineer we can, or, or in college we can we can nurture the relationships with those people right at the point that they've decided they're going to train to go and do this job and we can provide them with useful relevant stuff that's going to help them during their studies and then try and hoover them up It's not a very uh uh humane term but you know it's <laughs> <laughs> Hoover them up? Hoover them up. Suck yeah. them up. Yeah. Suck Wouldn't, them that up. Be Dyson? Wouldn't that be Dyson <laughs> them up from where you're at? Could be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we Dyson them up at the point that they leave academia and enter the workplace. And then, you know, they might come and work in our organization five different times during their career in five different jobs. And what you want is a system where when the individual is marked as they're leaving on the... 25th of February, that moves them from being an internal person who's getting internal nurture around career opportunities with the organization, internal L&D opportunities, news about what's going on, the sort of stuff that's keeping them engaged. Automatically, they go into a different talent pipeline, which is for alumni, and that's going to share with them um, things like employee referral options, uh, jobs, but also skills that are going to help them with their career Outside of your organization until they come back. We want, uh, I think Alan Bailey has been on um, the Chad and Cheese podcast and uh, she's talked about this concept of the infinity loop. The infinity loop is all about a non stop relationship. It doesn't matter if they're working for you today or they're not. It doesn't matter if they're mid interview process or they've just left you. You should have some way of maintaining that relationship with the right type of intelligent. Uh, communication for them, depending on you know where they are.
4: Yeah, evangelizing all of the people that you engage with through your business, including your employees, past, current,
0: and future. Absolutely, which is why it was why if we do that, if we do this, then we can stop all of this incessant focus on the application, getting people to apply. It's really desperate, and it's not very intelligent. What's much more intelligent is maintaining an ongoing relationship with those people rather than having to do that distressed purchase. Advertising is vital. It's really vital. Recruitment advertising is really important. But if your entire recruitment marketing effort is based on advertising, then you're just in a constant distressed purchase scenario and you've never got a talent pipeline.
1: Get that. A distressed... You're in a distressed situation at all times, which is exactly what recruiting feels like. You shouldn't be distressed. You should be nurturing. You should be building talent pipelines, all coming from our friend Adam Gordon, CEO, candidate ID Adam Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, we, we want to press harder and challenge town acquisition and, and, and recruiting to adopt faster, to, to, to get out there and, and take chances. If they want to take chances, they want to take a look at something that is more fashion forward. How can they get a hold of you and, and where would you send them to go check out Candidate ID?
0: I would send them. Well, so I'm easy to find on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook Adam Gordon, Candidate ID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on OnlyFans yet, but maybe in the next, my next career. And I would encourage people to, for a bit more information about this subject, I'd encourage people to Google Candidate ID Talent Pipeline Playbook. There are probably more recent versions than that. This is about three years old, but it's still just, it is, it is a how-to around marketing automation and talent pipelining, Talent Pipeline Playbook.
2: Love it. Chad, Julie, another one in the can.